In John chapter 14, Jesus gives you and I a gift that every person in the world is looking for, peace. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. What I say is, let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. What Jesus is offering is something radically different than the peace we find in this world. I'm standing here at Namaste Miru, which in Czech means peace square. And yet this square, as beautiful and as serene as it is, has changed names many times over the years because peace is such a fragile entity in the world. But the peace that Jesus offers us is one that transcends every circumstance, every storm that we face. That peace is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life when we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so today, we're going to explore this passage of Scripture. And I hope that even though we've entered into this time of a state of emergency again, and people are alone more often, that you'll discover that God's peace is greater than the trials, than the separations, even than the loneliness that we often face. So we're going to go and look at the Scriptures here in John chapter 14. It takes place at that Passover meal. It's an intimate dinner between Jesus and his followers. And as you listen to Jesus' words here in John 14, I want to encourage you to envision yourself as sitting at the table, as if Jesus is speaking right to you, because he is. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled 
and do not be afraid. Today in our encounter with Jesus, we're going to examine his promise that we find in John 14, that we will never be alone. In fact, we will be at home with the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and with us. John 14 is the conversation that Jesus has during the Passover meal. As he was sharing the bread and the cup of the Lord's Supper, Jesus tells his disciples and us that he's going to prepare a place for us. He does not want our hearts to shake with anxiety and fear, but for us to find refuge and peace in him. The words that he shares with the disciples and with us are words of comfort, of strength. They're words of love. Jesus' words are not that of a professor teaching students. It is Jesus sharing what those he loves most need in times of anxiety, stress, and darkness. And the words that he shared with the disciples in John 14 are the words that we need to hear today. And so as we examine this passage of Scripture, I want you to imagine yourself there at the table with Jesus because He is speaking to you. Jesus invites us to the table. So today, what I'm encouraging us to do as we are back in our homes due to the increase in the spread of the virus, let us invite the Lord to our tables to listen to His heart, to invite Him into our flats, into our homes, into our lives, and explore what He has to say to us. I encourage you to get your Bible or to use your app that you have, get a notebook, and and let's look at the promises that Jesus gives us in this passage. I want to encourage you to write them down and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand them, and even more importantly, help you to live by them. Also, write down the names of people who need to know they are not alone. This time of isolation uh, because of the virus can be very, very difficult on people, especially those who are physically alone. So we want to pray for them. I want to encourage you to message them, to, to lift them up, to let them know that you're with them. Look for opportunities where you can do things together, whether that's online or in person, as long as it fits within the regulations. What we want to do is be an encouragement to others as we hear how Jesus is offering His encouragement, His love to us. So let's look at what Jesus has to tell us. Let's look here at these passages that we we saw there displayed in the Luma Project as we listen to the Scripture. Look at the specific things that Jesus tells us. Let's begin here with verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus giving us instructions. And he says this in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ through faith in Him and what He did on the cross in His death, burial, and resurrection, you will never ever be alone. Even if you're the only human in the room, you'll never be alone. We need to know that. We need to live like that's true. 
This may be a little much for you, but it helps me. When I feel distant from the Lord, sometimes what I will do is, for my prayer time, is I'll put out a chair and and I'll put it next to me and as a reminder that the Lord says that He is right here with me. And I'll use that, that chair just as a prompt to pray as if God really was in the room, to, to make it real in, in my setting. And today what I've done is taken it a little step further. We've put a place at our table to remind us that the Holy Spirit lives in us and with us. First of all, He says that the Holy Spirit will be in you. Secondly, he says the Holy Spirit dwells with you. Now, what's the difference between those two, and why does he mention both of them? Well, one refers to our position in Christ Jesus through faith in Him. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. He is given as a guarantee of our relationship with the Lord. And notice that Jesus distinguishes here between believers in Him and the world around us. If we do not have a faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we do not have the Holy Spirit. He says that the world does not know Him and does not see Him. Right from that moment of faith, God sends His Holy Spirit to live within you. But He also says that He will dwell with you. This refers to our relationship with God. When Jesus says that the Spirit of Truth, the Helper, the Holy Spirit dwells with us, it's a relational connection. We can grow closer or farther apart in our relationships. And this is what being filled with the Holy Spirit means. God is infinite. So there's always more of God to know and to encounter. And that should encourage you because you will never ever arrive. There is always more to discover about God. And and here's the thing I want to encourage you with. As you begin to get to know God, you'll discover that He is far more amazing and wonderful than you ever imagined. The more you see of Him, the more you see there is more to see of Him. It sounds a little like a paradox, but it's a beautiful paradox because God is infinite. But like all relationships, we can struggle in our relationships, in our connection to one another. The scripture refers to this in regards to the Holy Spirit as grieving the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are far from God. Our attitudes, when they become self-focused and our actions become sinful, it grieves the intimacy that we have with the Holy Spirit. And so His presence in our life, His control over our life begins to be distant because we have offended Him. You know, the Holy Spirit is holy, He is righteous, and He will not permit us to go on sinning. And so, therefore, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we seek to take control of our lives rather than to surrender them to God, the Lord um, allows us to do exactly what we want to do. But in so doing, that pushes our connection and our communion farther apart. The same way it would in any other human relationship we have. If I act selfishly towards my wife, there's going to be distance between us and our relationship. The same is true with the Holy Spirit. What we must recognize, however, is that if God feels distant, we are the ones who moved, not God. We are the ones who changed because His character is perfect. It is absolute. 
And what he is doing right now, if you feel distant, he is calling you back to himself right now. When you call on Jesus, the Holy Spirit will reveal areas of disobedience that are hindering your relationship with God and with others. And what he asks us to do is to turn from our disobedience, to confess it for the sin that it is, and God will forgive us and cleanse us, and you will experience his presence, his direction, his life in a fresh and new way. Because the promise of the scripture is, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Not because we've become better, but because we've called afresh upon the sacrifice of Jesus. We've placed ourselves back underneath His authority, what He has done for us in His death, burial, and resurrection. And we're reunited in our relationship with the Lord. We're reconciled in a fresh way in our connection with Him. Now understand, That when we sin, we don't lose our salvation. We don't lose the deposit of the Holy Spirit that is within us. We simply grow farther apart in our communion or connection with one another. So the first promise that we have here is that we're never alone. If you feel alone, ask the Lord to show you if there's an area where you're out of relationship with Him. The second promise is not only are we not alone, But Jesus says that we are family with God. Look what he says. Here's what he says in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's saying God is adopting us into his family as joint heirs with Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I think that's one you should write down. That God, knowing everything about you, everything about me, has chosen to make us his children when we respond to what Jesus has done with faith, putting our trust in Him, choosing to love Him and obey Him. Well, look what it says next. Let's look at verse 21. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. God the Father loves you, loves me, because of Jesus the Son. He loves us not based on our performance, not on how well we do, but because we love Jesus. The Father loves us because we both love the same person, Jesus Christ. And that's the connecting point that brings us to the Father, that makes us um, His children, so that He adopts us as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But notice the condition that Jesus repeatedly mentions in this passage. Loving Him and the proof that we love Him, that's the condition, is that we love Him. And the proof that we love Jesus is that we keep His commandments, especially the new commandment that He gave earlier during this exact same meal. Back up in your Bible to John chapter 13. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, by keeping this commandment, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for others is the evidence that our love that we say to have for Jesus and that our faith that we say we have in Jesus is real. 
there's, there's no other way to measure it. You can't measure it by how many times you go to church, by how much money you give, by how hard you serve. The evidence that proves that our faith in Jesus is real, that we have a relationship with Him that is genuine, and that we truly love Him, is expressed by loving others. So how much do you love God? Well, this morning I read a quote that, to be honest, was pretty hard to hear. Author Rosalind Rinker says it this way, I will love God only as much as I love the person I dislike the most. Wow, that, that hurt. It, but it's powerful. Uh, to be honest, I don't like it, but I recognize that it's true. Think of God's love for us. God says this, He says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. And then in verse 10, he says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. God loved us when we were the most unlovable, the most unlikable. We were his enemies. We were in selfish rebellion against God. And in that condition... The condition of sin and rebellion, Jesus willingly chose to die for us. That's the kind of love we are to reflect back to God because that's how Jesus has loved us. Remember what he said in the commandment. We are to love others as he has loved us. Therefore, that statement, I will love God only as much as I love the person I dislike the most, is incredibly true. Would you allow that truth to sink into your heart for just a moment? And maybe you would join with me in in a word of prayer, even right now. Dear Lord, help me to love others like you love me. Help me to remember the way you, Jesus, reached out to me in my sin and in my rebellion. And help me to love even those I dislike with your kind of love. Help me to see them through your eyes, to care for them as you care for them, to serve them as you serve them. I believe God will answer that prayer and he'll change our hearts. He'll enable us to forgive those who've offended us, those who have harmed us, and give us the freedom to be able to trust that God knows what is best and God truly will take care of all the consequences. He will heal the hurts. He will bring a work that is fresh within us when we choose to express our love for Him by loving others. Jesus goes on in verse 21 and He says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Well, this is another incredible promise. Manifest means that Jesus promises to make himself known to us. Do you realize how incredible that is? The God of the universe wants you to know him. He promises to reveal himself to us. Now, God has revealed himself in a number of ways. 
Creation reveals his invisible attributes, his power, his wisdom, his plan. When we look out over nature and we look into the heavens, we see the stars and the galaxies and the planets. And we look into the microscope and we see the intricacy of how things are woven together. Or we look at the complexity of human DNA and see how God has designed all that. All that speaks of God revealing his likeness that he is a personal God, that he is a God who is in control, that he is a God who is powerful, that he is a God who is involved. All those things nature reveals by itself if we open our eyes to see it. In addition, God has revealed himself through his word. He's shown us what is right and what is wrong. He's shown us truth about his character, about his nature. Ultimately, he reveals himself through the person of his son. Jesus shows us the exact image of what God the Father is like. And here we see Jesus promising to make himself more and more known. Now, what does that look like? I was talking with a a new friend this week, and, and he said something very, very profound. He said that he was asking God to reveal himself to him. He wanted to know if he was real. He wanted to know more about who God was and what he was like. And what happened was, in answer to his prayer, that God made him more aware of his own sinfulness. Now, now at first, that may sound like, wait a minute, how, how is that Jesus making himself known, making himself manifest? Well, here's how it works. Once my friend saw sin in his life that beforehand he was unaware of, he confessed it and he asked the Lord to change him, to change the direction of his life. As he did that, he felt the closeness of the the Lord more intently. Jesus did just as he promised. He revealed something that was keeping my friend from experiencing intimacy with God Our selfishness, our sin, our attempts to take control, our pride, those are all barriers to intimacy with God. But as we surrender that, God drew my friend closer to himself. Just like when I surrender that, I know the Lord draws me closer in intimacy, in communion with him as well. He makes himself known. We sense not only his presence, but his pleasure. So let me challenge you to pray boldly. Maybe you've never, maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're not even sure if the Lord is real. Or maybe you're a believer that just longs to know the Lord more. Let me encourage you to pray this. Lord, I want to know you. Please make yourself manifest to me. As you pray though, be prepared. God may reveal things in your life in your beliefs, in your attitudes, in your heart that are keeping you from Him. But that revelation is a blessing. Yes, at first you will feel burdened and guilty because we're sinners and we need to be aware of our sin, the sin that separates us from a holy God. But when we take that to God, through Jesus Christ, He forgives us. He changes us and he welcomes us into his presence. And we sense not only that he is there, but we sense the joy that he takes in us as his children. Do you have the courage to pray with all your heart? Lord, I want to know you, the real you. 
do whatever it takes for the eyes of my heart to see who you really are. Even if you're a skeptic, I believe with all my heart that if you genuinely pray that, that the Lord will reveal himself to you. And you'll begin on a journey of discovering just how amazing God is and the love that he has for you. Jesus here in John 14 promises to make himself known to us as we keep his commandments, as we turn from self and sin and surrender our lives to him. That's a great promise. That's an incredible promise. But what comes next is even more amazing. Look at it there in your Bible. Look at verse 22. It says this, Judas, not Iscariot, which the separation there is Judas Iscariot is the one who betrayed Jesus. This is the other disciple whose name was Judas as well. He said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest, make yourself known to us and not to the world? It's a really important question that Judas is asking. He's asking Jesus to clarify his promise. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered him in verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, the two of them, God the Father and God the Son, will come to him, and look what it says, make our home with him. You need to pause there for just a moment. He's saying God the Father Jesus the Son, and He's already promised the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will make their home with you. Now think about that for a moment. Because the truth is, most of us, when we think about God's relationship with us, we think about ourselves as God's project, as God's work, which is certainly true to a degree. It, without the work of Jesus Christ, none of us could come to God the Father. But God doesn't see us as a project. You know, when I think about it in, in my, my natural self, in my, my own mind, I often think, you know, that maybe each day God kind of sees that I wake up and He goes, okay, well, what kind of trouble is Drew going to get into today? And what are the things that I, I need to fix? And He rolls up in His sleeves and it's time to, to go to work. But that's not what Jesus says about God the Father. He says, you're not His work. You are who He wants to make His home with. God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit desire to make their home with us. Home is where you want to be. Home is the place where you can be the real you. Home is the place of peace, of quiet, to be able to recharge. Home is the place where you are fully known and fully loved. Jesus says, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are coming together at your flat, at your home, and He desires to live together, to be in relationship together, and to make your life His home. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I'm just amazed at that. Especially now as we enter into another season of lockdown. 
we need to know that promise and hold on to it. Because this is a chance for you and for me to make Christ our home in in a powerful new way. Because He's already said that we are His home. So I'll encourage you to ask the Lord, how can I make my life more of a home to you? Now remember, there's some conditions to this promise. Loving obedience to Jesus is that evidence that our faith in Jesus is real. If we do not keep Jesus' commands, if we're not transformed and becoming more and more like Him, and if we're not choosing to love others as Christ loved us, then um, He's not going to feel at home in our hearts because there's that barrier between us. That's why He says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus and the Father are always in agreement. The Father loves who Jesus the Son loves. And Jesus speaks what the Father says to Him. He says it to us. And here we have this incredible promise that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit desire to make their home with us. That's why I've chosen here at Beckingheim's table to set a place as a reminder that the Lord has chosen to make this His home, to dwell with us, that God is coming to live with us. I want to respond in such a way that I live like that's true and allow Him to change me, to transform me. How would your life be different if you began each morning with a simple prayer, God, how can I make you more at home with me today? Show me anything that is limiting our relationship and give me the grace and the faith to turn from that and to place my life completely in your hands as the owner and master over my life, of my work, of my relationships, of my desires, of my possessions, of everything that I am. Lord, I want my heart to be Christ's home. Have your way in me, Lord. I welcome you. If you're brave enough to pray that, I believe that even this season where there's restrictions and limitations, you'll discover becomes a season of great blessing in your life because you'll learn to know the Lord in a way that you never did before. When you read through the scripture, especially in the Psalms, you'll see that those who um, grow really close to the Lord, people like David, that their relationship with the Lord was oftentimes forged in times of isolation, in times when the things that they desired, the plans that they had were all set aside. They were taken out of their comfort zone And in that moment, in that season, God was able to speak to them and show himself to them in a way unlike anything else in their life. And those moments became the treasure because it showed them the true gift of life, that truly eternal life is knowing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus goes on here in verse 24. And he says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear are not mine, but the Father who sent me. Verse 25. 
These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now in the Bible, peace is not um, a ceasefire. It's not simply a time of calm or quiet in the midst of hostility. Peace in the scripture comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom means a wholeness of being, a completeness and and a rest. No matter what the circumstances are, when you experience shalom, you feel complete. There's a quiet in our hearts and in our souls. The best word picture I know is that of Jesus asleep in the boat during the storm that we read about in the Gospels. The disciples, they had struggled um, with the boat and they were trying to fight the waves and the wind and and yet Jesus is in the back of of the boat asleep. He'd been doing ministry all day, he'd been doing miracles and his body was physically exhausted. And so he is sound asleep, even though there's a storm raging around them. And eventually the disciples, after they've tried to do everything in their own effort, which is just like me, they finally go to the right place. They wake Jesus. And and when Jesus wakes up, he stands up and he speaks and he says, peace, be still. And the raging storm turns to a complete calm. The waves settle down, the wind stops, the boat ceases to rock. The disciples discovered that peace was a person. And they're marveling how Jesus has control even over the weather. They're just now beginning to really see a glimpse of who Jesus is. And they experienced him as real peace in the middle of the storm. You see, His presence changes everything. He says, I know what you're experiencing, but you need to remember I'm with you. I know that you're afraid. Call on me. Do not let your heart shake. Don't be afraid. Remember I am with you. The God of the universe is right there with you. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus wants to remind you that He is the calm. He is the peace in the middle of the storm that you're facing. If we come to Him, He promises to give us rest. The answer to a shaking heart filled with anxiety, with fear, and with loneliness is the presence and filling of the Holy Spirit in our life because that presence brings the reality of who Jesus is into touch with us. The Holy Spirit is God with us each and every moment, in every place, and in every circumstance. Now we're going to explore more of how the Holy Spirit works in our life next week, but let me give you just a a taste before we go of what His presence is like. First of all, when we struggle with sin, the Holy Spirit reminds us that Jesus is our Savior. And that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus if we placed our faith in Him. When we feel burdened by guilt, 
the Holy Spirit reminds us that our sin was nailed to the cross and the record has been destroyed because Jesus chose to bear the full weight of our sin and guilt for us. So not only has our sin been dealt with, but the record has been erased, having been nailed to the cross, the scripture tells us. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that when our hearts feel overwhelmed by guilt. When we feel overwhelmed um, and do not know what kind of decision to make because the way in front of us is so confusing, the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's Word. And He'll show us that He is with us and He promises not only to be with us, but to go before us, to guide us. He'll direct us back to His Word where His Word is a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. And I want you to see that the Holy Spirit, His working in us, connects intimately with us abiding in the Word of God. The more His Word is in us, the more we know it, the more fuel the Holy Spirit has to bring it to mind. And so the way to grow closer is for us to spend more and more time in God's Word, to meditate on it, to memorize it, and to ask the Lord to not only help us to understand it, but to live it. Furthermore, when we are hurting, the Holy Spirit is our comforter who gives us peace in the middle of the storm, who reminds us that we are not alone, that Jesus understands our sorrows and our grief. He's experienced them himself. Jesus weeps with those who weep. And the Holy Spirit helps to take his comfort and make it something tangible in our life. In a similar way, when we are weak, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God the Father is a mighty God who sings over us with loud singing, according to Zephaniah 3.17. That He is a mighty God who is able to save. He is stronger than anything that you or I will face. Those are things that the Holy Spirit does within us. In, In essence, what He does is He makes who God is real to us And shows us how to apply that to where we are. To our life, to our circumstances, to our relationships, to our work, to everything that we're about. To every component of our life. He makes Jesus manifest. He makes Him real. Isn't that an incredible gift that God has given to us? Let me end with just a a prayer for you and a prayer for me for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Our Father in heaven, you are holy. May your greatness be seen on earth. May it also be seen in my life, in the life of each person that's watching here today. May your greatness be revealed in us as it is in heaven. Through the salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on the cross, we come into your presence. We want you to make your home with us as Jesus has promised. I desire for you to fill my life with your presence. Would you reveal within me any sin that's hindering my relationship with you and give me the faith and the grace to turn from it and to follow you more closely and more obediently. I confess my sin my selfishness, and my pride. 
And let me just encourage you, be specific right there. Let me just pause for just a moment as I confess quietly my sins. I encourage you to confess yours. Lord Jesus, as we have confessed our sins before you, we claim what the word says, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And because of the merit of your righteousness, the merit of your love, we now ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. We place all that we are and all that we will ever be into your hands as the owner of our life, as the one who has complete rights to everything that we are, everything that we have. We give it to you. And we ask you now to fill us with the presence of your Holy Spirit so that we may welcome more and more of you into our life. Make our heart your home. And then, Lord, empower us to live a life that shows your greatness and your goodness to those around us. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we believe that you will answer our prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have a spiritual need, or if you're just lonely, if there's something we can do to serve you, I want to encourage you. To, to, to write to us, to send us an email. Um, we will, will do all that we can to come alongside of you and, and encourage you in your relationship with the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.